Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Here is number one, the old quill in hand, writing on the parchment paper, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How you doing? Well, I always look forward to Tuesdays because I get a chance to hear the creaking of old bones and the opening of dusty books as you go into our history right here on Zeb at the Ranch. Well, I'm not so old that I don't enjoy watching March Madness. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Wasn't that something about that young man from uh, Louisville and the devastating injury, but the way it inspired his team? And I said earlier last hour, they ain't nobody going to beat Louisville in the Final Four. Oh, you know, that's, that, that's so fun to watch. I mean, they are so – I mean, they give it 110% every – you know, every game. Just, Absolutely. You know, I, I just really enjoy watching it. Absolutely. So. Well, Dr. History, here it is, Tuesday, April 2. It's a good thing you weren't on April Fool's Day because I had something really special for you. You missed it. You, you dodged know, I, the bullet. I heard about that yesterday when, I, when <laughs> I, I was thinking it was a good thing that wasn't April 1st. <laughs> what have you got for us today? Well, I've got a famous lady, a gold mine, and a sinking ship. How's that? <laughs> Sounds like a lady I knew over at Murtaugh Lake about seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this all ties together, and you'll see how. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that survived the sinking of the Titanic, mm-hmm. but few did it with as much gusto as Molly Tobin Brown. Oh, Mo- the unsinkable. Unsinkable Molly Brown. You know, she was a hard-knuckled Irish woman, and she spent a lifetime and a fortune of money trying to crash Denver society, and never did quite do it, really, but uh, this is kind of her story, and, uh, you know, unsinkable Molly Brown, she was uh, born in Hannibal, Missouri in 1867. She was born Margaret Tobin, that was her name, Mm -hmm. Margaret Tobin. She was one of seven kids of an Irish family, poor but honest, and deeply religious and it was natural that she should grow up as a tomboy because she was the only daughter uh, and preferred to hunt and fish with her brothers rather than play with dolls like the other little girls in the neighborhood so when margaret was 15 uh they heard stories about the gold boom in colorado well two of her brothers the tobin boys uh, they went to leadville now molly went along too and she again she was only 15 but she earned her key by washing pots and pans at a boarding house now, she hadn't been in ta- town very long before she captured the heart of a good old guy by the name of, uh, do you remember his name? James J. Brown. That, well, yeah, I mean, it was, I was going to say Johnny. Smith, but that's not right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Johnny James, L., James J. Brown. He that's was right. an Irishman, too, and he was as redheaded as she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but James was better known as Leadville Johnny. Uh, well, yeah, how come they always had these nicknames? i got to ask you that real quick. How come in the old days they always had all these nicknames, and today you never hear that anymore? You know, I, I don't know. You know, uh, you know. We talked about some of the uh, nicknames of the outlaws. Yeah, and, and some of them pretty well fit the guys. You know, yeah. it, it was good. But Leadville Johnny. I mean, he was in Leadville, and his name was Johnny. So, but he was not necessarily a good-looking guy. Okay. And he was about twice Molly's age, so he was about thirty or thirty-one. But he had an <clears throat> he had an Irishman's way with women, and he and Molly were married about three weeks after they met. Now, they were poor, but it wasn't long before the gold began pouring in. 
uh, Leadville Johnny and his partners uh, opened up uh, and developed uh, what they called the Little Johnny Mine. And from it and a few other mines around Leadville and that area, a town called Creed, I guess, is near there, $20 million in gold and silver. Wow. Now, back in the 1860s, you know, that was a pretty good pretty good payday, mm-hmm. $20 million. So that flowed into the Browns' pockets, and so with the first bonanza, they left their little cottage and moved up the, <clears throat> excuse me, moved up the hill to a little more pretentious house. Well, this house had the cement floors in all the rooms. They inlaid it with silver dollars. Uh, this step forward only set Molly's ambition a little higher, and Leadville suddenly became too small. So like a lot of the other people at that time who struck it rich, uh, the Browns moved to Denver. And here they build a mansion. Mm-hmm. Now, this remarkable mansion became known as the House of Lions. And in its heyday, they had actually, <clears throat> excuse me, 12 or 14 lion statues uh, stood guard around the house and one thing or another. Uh, they had a, one pair of lions that were imported from Egypt, and it was a solid marble thing three feet tall with, a, with sphinx-like heads on them. And Whoa. other things came from Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Further outdoor decorations included a granite panel set in stone, uh, which surrounded the grounds, and it depicted Alexander's triumphal entry into Babylon. I mean, it was just way overdone. Wow. And inside, every available space was crowded with vases and stuffed birds and animals of every description and kind. They had stained glass windows in in the reception hall, and multicolored light came through and would shine on their polished wood floors and tapestries on the walls. I mean, it was just, you know, it looked like somebody that had way too much money uh, to try to impress people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Molly was still kind of crude and kind of illiterate. She was just, I mean, what you saw was what you got. But she was a friendly, friendly gal. And uh, Molly Brown, she, and you know, anybody that's seen the movie, they know that she invited uh, all the Denver society to her mansion. And over and over again, she'd ask them, and over and over again, why they... They would just snub her, and they just wouldn't. They wouldn't lower themselves to be around this gal from from Hannibal, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So now, about this time, she was approached by a reporter who invited her to write a letter for a certain newspaper column. Well, Molly was flattered, and she never guessed that it was really a joke meant to embarrass her. So she wrote in the only words she knew, which was, "Those are the Mississippi bottomlands and and the Colorado mining tent camp." So you know, it was not a what you'd call a high society letter well when society read that letter i mean they just snickered and laughed uh, uh the people in denver you know the, molly was humiliated i mean uh, uh, but it took more than that to, to to beat her so uh she figured she'd make them laugh on the other side of their faces sometimes but so she packed up and she departed for europe and for eight years she studied music languages art uh, her thirst for knowledge was just unquenchable, um, and she was just an exciting woman to be around. Well, she returned to Denver. She had culture. She had new personality. But all of her graces were still wasted because Denver society could only see crude Molly Brown. The now, was she, was she still married to old Leadville Johnny? Yeah, she was still with Leadville. I see. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, with Leadville Johnny. Yeah. Up to this point. Okay. So, but, you know, despite not getting into the Denver Society, she'd kind of won uh, a niche in the European circles. So, uh, but not with her culture or her millions of dollars, but just simply by being herself, just plain old Molly. I mean, she was funny, she was sincere, 
she had a big heart. I mean, she just was kind to everybody. And she basically turned her back on Denver. Uh, her house of lions, her mansion there, became a gathering place for people outside of Denver. The, I mean, famous people from Europe and all over would come, and she would entertain them. And uh, sometimes she was in New York, sometimes Paris, sometimes London. And she became a world traveler. Uh, and she was pretty well welcome anywhere in the world except Denver. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was one of these return trips from Europe that led to her sailing on the uh, the Titanic. Well, and Molly was reported to have been the last woman to leave the sinking ship, and then only because they basically threw her off the ship into a lifeboat. Really? Well, and Molly, characteristically, she made the best of the situation. She grabbed Nora, and she rode with the men. And she rode for about seven hours with the men, and her hands were blistered, and until finally the Carpathia came along and, and uh, rescued them. But even then, when she got on the rescue ship uh, on the Carpathia, uh, she'd been rowing for seven hours. Uh, two hours later, she was in the hospital room on the ship, helping the injured and people that were still dying from being in the water. But she was the most beloved woman on board and the only one physically and mentally able to rise above the tragedy and, and give help to those that were needing help. Mm-hmm. So she really was a heroic woman in this disaster. And finally after this, Denver Society finally kind of opened their their arms to her a little bit. But she, by this time, she really didn't need them. So, But two years after the Titanic disaster, uh, troubles kind of flared up in a coal mining area in southern Colorado. And and there were striking miners, and there was all kinds of trouble going on. There was uh, violence. Uh, there were uh, people being killed, women and children. And Molly Brown hurried back to Europe to organize help for these people. And she worked day and night uh, helping these people that had been uh, thrown out of their homes and one thing or another. So she was, like I say, she was always looking for opportunities to help people. Mm-hmm. But about three years after Molly and her, uh, after uh, Leadville Johnny, uh, they they came to a parting the ways. Uh, she couldn't give up her world traveling, traveling, and he couldn't give up on his hometown buddies. And so, but he died shortly after that in 1922. And anyway, uh, they had romantic uh, uh, rumors that she was going after a French guy, but that wasn't true. But uh, and Molly never did marry again. Mm-hmm. And instead, she took another tour this time, completely around the world. And this time she got involved in a typhoon in, in the South China Sea. Uh, she was in a hotel fire. And again, she jumped in and helped with the rescue work. So, and in spite of her uh, wandering, Denver still was home to Molly. And the House of Lions, or her mansion, was still kind of a source of pride. And no matter where she went, her mansion always seemed to be receiving artwork or treasures or whatever, pictures and one thing or another. But, uh, you know, she always had a uh, way of hiding cash in some of these uh, treasures that she brought back. I see. In fact, one time she uh, had a hat on, and she remembered that she'd hidden $700 in the lining of her hat. So, But when the Depression came, Molly sold the mansion, and a lot of his treasures went to the art dealers. And between the travels after that, she made her home with her daughter in New York, and it was here that she died. Um, uh, she... Uh, you know, she the House of Lions, the mansion that she had, uh, actually became a boarding house for a while, but now it's a museum. Really? In 1970, they made it into a museum. And so Molly Tobin Brown, uh, the lady from Leadville, 
you know, she won her way into the circles of the world. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question right here, Dr. History. First of all, I think, I think, I know where that place is in Denver. Now, the Lions, if I'm thinking of the right place, it's, uh, they're still out there. They're still there, aren't they? There are, I think they said there's a, uh, about, only about two of them still there, but it's, 1340 Pennsylvania Street in Denver. Okay, I think I know exactly where the place is, and that location is the original homestead for her and Leadville Johnny then, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Yep. And uh, now, the other question I had, and maybe you touched on it when I uh, couldn't hear for a minute, I was busy doing some other work here. Um, what about the nomer of unsinkable? Who hung that uh, name on Molly Brown? You know, that's a good question, and I, 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 there really isn't anything here that says anything about that. Uh, I'm just thinking that quite possibly after the, the Titanic thing that probably the newspapers picked up on that, and just somebody must have thought of that and put it in a newspaper article or something, and so she became known as unsinkable. Did they have her and Leadville Johnny when they lived in the Denver area? It sounds like uh, the snobs really were out to get uh, uh, Molly Brown and her husband. But did they have any kind of a, a lot of land holdings and mine holdings and other treasures that somehow might still be preserved in the Denver area? You know, as far as I know, the only thing that is still left is just the mansion. I see. Uh, I mean, as, as far as anything being passed on to family and one thing or another, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, in Leadville, of course, they had the mines, several mines. And, you know, after, I don't know what happened there. You know, after $20 million, he may have just... Uh, sold it and left. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know. What about uh, the family? Now, when you said her daughter in New York City, I'm assuming that uh, the daughter probably was born, what, around uh, the 19, uh, the teens or something like that, and possibly family members are still alive uh, representing the Molly Brown family? Yeah, I, I would say I'm sure there is, because Molly died in 1932. So, you know, her daughter... You know, I'm I'm guessing would be maybe in her 80s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and there would there would be uh, children and probably grandchildren. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could find, and this is just kind of food for thought, maybe we could do this on a program some morning, on a direct hookup, if we could find a direct relative of the daughter, a son, a daughter, whatever, and try to contact them and get them on the program to give us uh, kind of a real first person type thing as to the insight oh. from the father to the grandmother, Molly Brown. That, you know, that would be great. I would love to be able to do that. I um, you know, maybe in the course of doing a little research here, maybe I can, you know, find out what the daughter's name was. And I don't know if there was only one daughter. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if there were more children or not. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about Leadville Johnny. What about his family? Well, uh, there again, you know, I, I don't know if he had brothers or sisters or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and I don't know if, you know, he may have even been married before he married uh, Molly. I see. Well, what we ought to try on this program, I think, starting now that it's a brand new month and everything, maybe some of these stories uh, that relate to the old days of the West, but then also with family members that might still reside here in the United States, what we ought to do is try to change things a little bit and have you do the story, and then maybe the next week we'll do some detective work and see if we can't honestly find a family member that would come on and talk about that. 
Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, there's got to be all the stories we've done over these years. There's got to be descendants out there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to find somebody that's going to want to get on and admit that they were related to the naked mountain man that scared all the Indians. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, I've got one here that I'd like to do one of these days. Uh, the, the article says, how well do you know these Western bad men? Uh-huh. And that's a question and answer thing that I think would be fun to do sometime. Uh, just open it up to, to the listeners, and we'll pose a question and see who knows the answers to some of these questions. I'll get some prizes. Get a hold of me after we're off the air sometime, and I'll get okay. some prizes lined up from some of our sponsors on this program, and we'll have a real kind of a fun time half hour with that. Yeah, we could do that, because I've got one article with some questions, and I can come up with some more, and it'd be fun just to pose those to our listeners and see who who knows some of the some of the trivia of the old west absolutely well i think you've really done an outstanding job uh, and as you are always so well prepared before i do a commercial break here what are we going to talk about next week <laughs> well let me look at my stuff <laughs> actually I, i've got some short articles that i would like to do that won't take up the whole time oh okay uh, one is called the Cowboy Sewing Circle. Oh, oh, and I'll leave your imagination to that. Okay. One is called the Drilling Contest. The and, Drilling uh, Contest. Yeah, it's about mine. Okay. Uh, the Drilling Contest they, that the miners did, and that, right. that's kind of interesting. Okay. So I might just throw these two together next week because uh, they're both interesting, but they're both neither one of them long enough to take up the whole. Program. Well, let's do this. Uh, get a hold of me when you can, and uh, then okay. we'll start doing some detective work and see, like in the case of Molly Brown, the unsinkable Molly Brown, with the yeah. big case history of being on the Titanic and everything. Wouldn't it be interesting for you and I to peruse the uh, the history and then talk to the actual uh, descendant so we could get some oh, first-person yeah. type thing? That'd be really interesting. Well, uh, we'll we'll work that direction. See what we can do. Doctor Ken Turner, dear friend, Doctor History, absolutely a gold mine of information, and uh, he's as rich as Leadville Johnny. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> See you later, buddy. <laughs> All right, you have a good day. Thank you. Bye. I just love that segment with Doctor History.